Welcome to Front Office Pros. You may be in several dynasty leagues, and if you are, then you have come to the right place because most likely you're doing them wrong. With me for this discussion is my co-host Joe and a special guest making his first appearance on Front Office Pros, which is none other than Matt Plum from Dynasty Nerds. Hut, hut, hike! So, gentlemen, let's cut to the chase. What's wrong with the traditional dynasty format? Well, for me, the traditional format lacks subjective value. Everyone knows what A.J. Brown is worth. Everyone knows Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Those guys are pretty untouchable. But wouldn't it be even more interesting to have those guys on, let's say, a rookie deal or... Let's say you have to decide if you want to franchise tag them or sign them to a, 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 a big contract. Salaries and the use of salaries creates a whole new and interesting dynamic on player valuation. And it makes owners think and um, value different things in different ways. So, like, for instance, some owners value player production whereas i personally value cap hit and cap space more often than not so i think salary and contract leagues allow for more nuanced and interesting player asset valuation that's definitely true i think one main thing that it really lacks uh you know is the lack of player movement in a traditional dynasty league you know you got a lot of people that just tend to hang on to these rookies and being able to keep them and nobody else really gets to gets a chance to have a turn at a premier player because the you know existing owner that drafted them just gets to retain them so you know salaries and the contracts you know puts the pressure on you where you can't keep everybody eventually you got to decide who you want to keep who you're ultimately going to let go and it just increases player movement you know a lot in leagues and you know makes dynasty leagues really fun yeah, it's really interesting you say that, Joe, and I'll double down on what you said. I think from what I can tell, based on the Dynasty landscape, the biggest problems with Dynasty is when it comes to orphan teams. And the reason why you end up having orphan teams is you have you know some teams that do a really good job uh, drafting their team. And, and congratulations. I mean, that's, that's awesome. I mean, it's not easy to get drafts right. We see GMs time and time again get fired because of the horrible jobs that they did you know, drafting those players. So, but you're going to have juggernauts that have guys like I drafted Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Well, they have no incentive to have to move those guys. So what ends up happening is you maybe have some other teams to try to trade their draft cap or do whatever they can to be able to compete with these teams. And eventually they burn out and then these teams are bare bones and they have to go find somebody else to replace them. So with a salary cap, with salaries, with contracts, there's that pressure. I can't keep everybody. So I have to have a prioritization of who do I want to keep? And like you were saying, Matt, based on the cap hit, you know, do I really, I might really like this player, but do I really want to pay that much for that player? So what it does is it allows for that player movement, like, like you were saying, Joe, and then I feel it ends up getting rid of that orphan problem because now you have something that helps regulate the movement of players. Where in other, we, you know, in other dynasty, you could just keep those players for the duration of their career. You're talking about 10, 12 years before a dynasty can really turn over. I feel it also takes away the ability for people to be sticklers to the trade calculators out there. Mm. Because the trade calculator doesn't take the salary in, into the discussion at all. Um, 
So you could be able to get a very premier player on an expensive deal from a team that's in cap hell. And just situations like that allow for the player movement like you guys both discussed. Yeah, that's a, that's actually an interesting point. They didn't really think about uh, salary cap and it kind of getting away from those trade daily calculators. You're definitely right. You know, the ones that you see online don't take an account count for the salary and the, you know, cap hit for the team. So, you know, that's, that's an interesting point. So we talked about this a little bit, guys, but what do you think is the purpose of incorporating a salary cap in a dynasty league if, you know, those who are listening are in a dynasty league and are considering incorporating one? I mean, the, the number one reason is the ability to accelerate player movement to make fantasy players and owners make the critical decisions of what player is more important, what player can provide long-term value to their team. And it also allows, in my opinion, it, uh, it allows bad teams to get better quicker. And there's nothing worse than having the same three teams in a league that are bad. And you have the orphan and the same orphan and they keep every year, every two years, they keep switching out a new owner and you got to find a new owner with the salary cap. It forces good players to be acquired and it helps bad teams get better. Yeah, I I definitely agree with that aspect. You know, uh, you know, Player movement is definitely my favorite reason why to, you know, incorporate the salary cap in the dynasty leagues. But then also it just, you know, it all ultimately just adds an element of strategy as well included in there. It's not just, you know, taking these players for the traditional dynasty league and being able to retain them. You know, strategy of being able to uh, manipulate your cap space in order to keep some of these guys or figure out who you want to trade or, you know, if guys come in at the end of the contract. You know, you trade them away, get future draft picks, you know, things like that just adds in another element to be able to trade things. And then also just adds a little more strategy involved. Yeah, and I think when it comes to dynasties, you're starting to see an uptick of more and more people being interested in joining them. And I think one of the exciting things when you have a salary cap is the ability to participate in free agency. You know, when it comes to dynasties, a lot of people just have their rookie draft, which don't get me wrong, the rookie draft is a lot of fun. But then when you also have free agency in the mix, uh, it really makes for a really fun experience. And I don't know about you guys, but I, you know, I'm never going to be a general manager of an NFL team. So it really feels like I'm putting my GM hat on when I'm making these decisions. And it, it, then it also, like, I feel it more. Like if I sign a guy to a bad contract and I'm stuck with them, I'm like, oh, what was I doing? But if it's a dynasty team, I mean, you feel that a little bit with rookie drafts, but you're putting your money where your mouth is. Being, being a, like a GM, like you just said, um, I've actually, I went from redraft straight into contract salary cap. This is the first year I'm mm. doing traditional dynasty um, just to see what it's like. But for me, it's always been the ability to apply and use contracts and evaluate players with a dollar amount assigned to them as being more interesting than just player production. Um, Another fascinating thing that, you know, you wouldn't see in regular dynasty is there's been many times where either I or someone else in my league has made trades where they've traded down in drafts 
for let's say less than uh, normal value because they are up against the cap and they need draft picks that are lower in salary than these high draft picks. Mm. And so it just, it, it, it just makes it so much easier to find ways to acquire talent and to create a roster that can compete. I mean, last year, my top, I think going into last year, my top player was as a running back was Eno Benjamin. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I found somebody that had Saquon Barkley but couldn't afford him on the franchise tag, so I traded him a second-round pick for Barkley, and now I have Saquon Barkley because he couldn't fit him. It's just it, it, allows, it allows people to make more effective trades to help their teams. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, in traditional dynasty league, you probably wouldn't even have had a chance at Saquon Barkley. You know, that owner is just going to keep him. You're not going to be able to get him. So, yeah, you know, back to what Steve was saying about, you know, being an actual GM and being able to put our GM hats on for free agency and things like that. You know, we've all been there in the offseason, right? Our favorite teams. And we all think, ah, why is our GM doing this? Why isn't he doing that? Well, you know, with, with the salary cap league, it's really your opportunity to go ahead and make some of these decisions. And then, you start to figure out why your favorite team that you're following is kind of doing the moves that they are, you know, because you're kind of held to the same constraints as them. And, you know, it, it just uh, gives you a better sense of not only the real life NFL, but, uh, you know, different things you're doing in your own fantasy league. Well said, Joe. And I think one of those is just a recent example. I'm not good. This is just a tangent here quickly, but a, a recent example of this is the Aaron Rodgers tree. Right. So many people who aren't familiar with salary cap leagues are thinking to themselves, why hasn't Aaron Rodgers been traded? But the problem is his contract is so big. And because he would get traded before June 1st, that means all the dead cap that the Packers would have to incur would hit right away. So they're looking at it and saying, hey, look, we, we think we should get higher draft capital because we're going to have a mountain of dead cap that we're going to incur because we're trading Aaron Rodgers. And they're in the stalemate right now. And if you didn't know that, then you would be thinking, I don't know what's going on. Maybe the talks are, are, are kind of not are just breaking down. But in reality, there's a lot that they have to overcome. And it's one of those things when you understand more salaries and contracts, you understand why teams are doing what they're doing sometimes. Mm-hmm. So for those who may be listening and they say, hey, I'm sold, I really want to do this. What would be your recommendation of how you'd go about incorporating a salary cap in your existing dynasty league. So I've actually done this once where I converted from one site to another um, and I had to slightly alter the contracts. And the best way that I found to do it was to create different buckets based on player production for the initial startup of um, the salary cap league. But I would have a basic bucket of, you know, 200 or more points, 150 or more, 150 to 200 points and have certain dollar amounts associated and then just have a multiplier based on player production. Um, That would be the cleanest and easiest way, in my opinion, to get a traditional dynasty league into salary cap form. Yeah, that's an interesting way. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, 
I know for our league, uh, you know, we really just used the started off with using the fantasy points per game. And that was kind of how we assigned value to players. And mm-hmm. then we figured out a system of how to, you know, assign dollar amounts based on the players fantasy points per games and, you know, their rankings and things like that. So, you know, that was one way we approach it as well. Yeah, I think one of the, the tougher parts you'll find if you are interested, there's only a few platforms that really cater to this style of, of league. And, you know, from what I've seen, you know, in, in, in different groups related to this content is a lot of it's manual. You know, a lot of what we've done is really with, you know, Google sheets or Excel spreadsheets, and we kind of come up with, with contracts. I think you're probably better off starting up, you know, if you're really interested in this type of league, maybe seeing if those same group of guys are interested in doing a startup draft uh, and possibly hitting the reset button uh, because, uh, you know, just like like these guys were saying, you determine that startup value of what they cost. Uh, it, it could be quite difficult, but definitely rewarding uh, if you end up uh, choosing to pursue this type of platform or this type of league, I should say. So in your recent article series, Matt, called Bending the Rules, you shared some unique rules and settings to make Dynasty Leagues better. So I'm going to rattle them off here quickly. Multiple IR brackets, preseason cuts, expansion draft, taxi squad waivers, conditional pick trades, retained salary trades, dead cap trades, undrafted rookies, RFA offer sheets, compensatory picks, slow auction drafts, and free agency before the rookie draft. So I'll start, I'll start with you, Matt. Which rule bender or league setting do you like the most of that group? It's probably the most controversial, and it's the free agency before the rookie draft, just like in the real NFL. Um, It requires owners to be aware of how much money they have assigned to rookie draft picks. And it, again, forces the player movement via – they don't bid as much during free agency because they have to account for these rookie picks. Or – they spend too much in free agency and then they have to get rid of draft picks for either future draft picks or trading back. Um, it's just, it adds another wrinkle to the, to the off season and it allows the off season to be a little more interesting and entertaining. Um, the league that I actually do it in, we have one activity a month in the off season. Um, and I think April, April or May is the free agency, but that would probably be my favorite. Hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting list. I mean, I guess in our league, we're really bending the rules as uh, we, we do a lot of that stuff they got on there. But, uh, you know, the uh, free agency before the rookie draft is interesting. You know, I found myself uh, spending a lot of money in the free agency and having to really move off of my trades and, tend to trade on my, a lot of my picks for proven commodities, you know, as I have zero draft picks in this upcoming draft this year, (laughs) it's kind of been a, you know, penalty of all the spending that I've had, but it's just uh, something I was willing to do. So would you say, just to clarify, Joe, would you say that is your favorite rule bender or was there, is there a certain rule bender of this list that you'd say is your favorite? Um, yeah, I, I think it was probably one of my favorites too. It's one out, out of the things on the list that really stuck out to me is, you know, I, I think when we were setting up the rules in our league, you know, I really wanted 
you talked about maybe doing the rookie draft before free agency or one to have free agency. And I was one of the people who really wanted to have it beforehand because of like what Matt was saying, you know, I like to have a plan for free agency, see how it goes. And then, you know, on top of not just the salary cap stuff, if I don't get the guys I want in free agency, then if I have the picks, I can go and address those holes that I have in the actual draft, just to, like the teams in the NFL do, you know, they don't hit the guys in free agency they want. They fill their holes in the draft as well. Yeah. So for me, there's two that I'm really in between that I got to, I got to make a mention of both. Uh, but the first one I really like is compensatory picks. I think it's hard to do, but it's, it's added incentive because nobody wants, and I'll be curious to see your thoughts on this, Matt, but in our league, I, I found that most of the owners have a really hard time letting go one of their really good or premier players and just letting them walk to free mm-hmm. and see. Like the mindset's like, well, I have to get something for them. Like I have to trade them. I have to do something, right? Well, in the NFL, if you know, a premier player leaves in free agency, they're getting a third-round comp pick or possibly a fourth-round comp pick. You know, so, you know, I think having the compensatory pick helps, you know, to let owners, you know, kind of – kind of willingly let these players and just because they hit the market doesn't mean that you can't sign them back yourself. But I think if you do lose them, it kind of helps you kind of retain some sort of value. So I like that. But the only one I really like is the preseason cuts, you know, it's, it's exhilarating, you know, before the beginning of the season, you know, you're looking at people's right. You're looking at your roster, you're agonizing of who I should cut. And then you see across the league, you know, who they end up cutting. And then it's like, oh, I, I kind of want to get this guy on my team. And it just makes for a really fun before the season process. So I'd say those are two of my favorites. Yeah. Hey, your point on the compensatory picks is interesting, Steve. I, you know, I never, that doesn't ever register to me. Uh, you know, if I let this guy go, I'm going to get a third round comp pick. You know, it just, a lot of, you know, most of it's at the time is uh, contracts. But then, you know, I'm happy if I get a compensatory pick. I just don't usually make the moves before that reason. So I look at it almost as an asset or a value injection. I mean, we saw this previous season, the Niners go out and get Christian McCaffrey with a second, a third, and I think it was, what, a fifth? Something like that. And they did that because they were knew they were getting seven compensatory picks this year. And I think two or three of them were third round picks. And it just, it would, it helps owners be okay with letting picks go if they know that they might be able to recoup it via compensatory pick. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I mean, you saw Mike McDaniel leave as a coach because of the NFL rules on him being a minority coach. They knew they were getting that third round pick. Um, they also lost some other players in free agency, but that definitely did help them in real life uh, to make that move for Christian McCaffrey, I'm sure. So that concludes our conversation on why you were doing Dynasty Leagues wrong. And if you don't have contracts and salaries, you probably should. Uh, we strongly recommend you look into adding this component to your leagues. But before we sign off, Matt, thanks so much for joining us today. And where can others find your great work? Uh, they can find me on uh, DynastyNerds.com. Um, and on Twitter, my Twitter name is dynasty plum. Um, and yeah, I mean, pretty much all I do is salary cap leagues. That's really my focus. Um, so if anyone has any questions or doesn't know either how to incorporate, or if they want to throw an idea and see what I think, or ask me or Joe or Steve, um, 
hit me up, hit us up, let us know. We'd love to create this community and make it bigger and stronger. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more, Matt. Uh, we definitely want more and more people to be able to experience this type of uh, fancy football experience, like I'd say, because it really, to me, there's nothing like it in comparison with other leagues. It's just the strategy is just off the charts. Uh, and it really just helps you to create even more touch points to interact with your with your league mates uh, as you make moves uh, to you know direct your team in, in the way that you'd like to. So if you enjoyed this content, uh, we ask you to please like this video so others can find it. You can comment below with any questions that you have uh, in regards to how you could create a salary cap league or any questions like Matt said that you can send our way. Also, if you haven't yet, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. We've also recently join Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can add us there as well. But thank you so much for watching and until next time.